plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. morning, good night, uh, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Welcome, Power Partners, to our informational playground. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and we're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. Welcome to September. Whoa, the year is just going by so quickly. It just... I don't know. I guess that we are all busy, 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 but it is just flying by. Fun show today. In segment two, we're going to talk about nutrition and the nutritious facts and fads, because maybe you don't even know how to identify what a fad diet is, because there's so many myths. So we're going to help you get healthier and investigate the facts and the fiction. And in our final section, my Express Yourself teen radio host of Passion in Action, Julia Howe, she's going to be with us. She's going to offer tips to students on how to be more successful going through school. Tell us what's happening with her and uh, and just, you know, what it's like uh, being a teen these days. She's enthusiastic and energetic and so much fun. So you're going to really enjoy talking to her. But right now, I have a serious topic that we are going to be talking about, and you have probably read about it a lot or maybe know firsthand all about it, but let's see where we can go with it. And it's all about sexting. You know, people call it sex education because a lot of teens are sending nude photos to one another. It's frightening the parents and in and people don't know really how to think about it. So we have to really start to see what approach that we can take to this. In a 2008 study of teen sexting, 39% of respondents reported exchanging text-only sexual messages. Um, but uh, And in 2013, that had gone up to 60%. But in 2021, it found that 16% of teens were sending nude photos and at least 33% had received some. And some of those that they received were not wanted. So with so many teens engaging in some kind of sexual messaging and one in six admitting to at least creating explicit pictures, the evidence suggests it's time to think about a way to respond and to talk about um, teens with this sexting because originally the only approach that American adults were taken to teen sexting was echoing the way education had always been handled in puritanical cultures, right? That was pretty much focused on prohibition. It was like um, abstinence, only. And it is so common among 
teens, though, that we have to look at it in a lot of different ways. Now, modern public health campaigns and sex ed curricula, as well as press coverage, and you've probably read some of this, often phrase sexting as a matter of deviance, and especially when it is women's bodies that are being featured. Now, there was an author, Amy Hassanoff, who's a professor of communication at the University of Colorado, Denver, and she wrote a book in 2015 called Sexting Panic. And she noted that online safety education provided from the late 1990s to the early 2000s just really emphasized the threat of potential sexual predators. And then a second wave of, um, in, of announcements and uh, were targeted primarily to girls. And it, they were trying to blame low self-esteem for a girl's decision to post nudes or suggestive pictures on the internet. And what a lot of PSAs depicted were irresponsible, irresponsible kids, and they were definitely self-destructive. Uh, so they were pointing figures at girls' hormones and um, in the internalization of sexual media. And although the term sexting was not really common in any of those campaigns that debuted, the message was that harassment and violation are the real stakes of creating nudes. And it kind of was echoed in the just say no policy that parents and educators uh, are still adopting today. And in 2014, only half of educational campaigns surveyed had an anti-forwarding or anti-bullying message. But driving these messages, uh, at least in part, is a fundamental underestimate of teams' decision-making ability. So are girls um, definitely threatened with sexual-related criminal charges referring to, are they being careless? Are they being clueless? Are they being irresponsible? Um, is sexting something that's stupid or impulsive? And a lot of campaigns really sought to especially make girls aware of their potential victimization online. And these campaigns were supposedly filled with information that, um, that kids lacked. But what we're finding out about adolescents is that they really, they, the teens know the risks of sexting and they're knowledgeable about digital communication and they know how to judge the likelihood and the magnitude of harm by what they see around them. And so many teens, whether not, not everybody's doing it, obviously, but a lot of them are just watching their friends do it. And they see that they're using sexting as a signal to signify, you know, some interest or investigate a potential partner's respect for boundaries. Um, although unsolicited uh, sex, you know, sexting, unsolicited these sex texts, especially um, two women of the male gender's genitalia are, is really kind of feels violating for most teens. And 
sometimes it serves that the purpose of just gossiping. And, you know, so that you're going to see, oh, gosh, he's so lame or gross or you're going to roll your eyes. But also there's another avenue that, that a lot of teens say. And the, what they say is they actually, uh, especially girls, are looking at some of the forwarded nudes, especially of the female bodies, because they like to see what other girls their age look like as opposed to seeing anything that's pornographic because they find it reassuring that, you know, bodies are kind of just bodies and they're not all this uh, touched up beauty that we see uh, or that you can see in magazines or whatever. So teen brains are primed for this kind of thing, according to um, Dr. Lona Gordon of Children's Hospital in Orlando, Florida. Because comparisons with peers is something that is fired up during adolescence. And it's not gender specific, which is likely why, contrary to what most people think, boys and girls send and forward sex at the same time. That, and that's spelled S-E-X-T-S. <laughs> uh, teens also have a developmental need to be individuals. And um, that obviously can manifest sometimes as experimentation. And also um, it is what adults are definitely trying to discourage, of course. Older girls, older teens have shared stories that when they do send a photo of their naked body to somebody, they actually feel really cool. And they started viewing sexting more positively as a way to express their autonomy and um, looking at themselves as a piece of art. And, and I found that very interesting, but there is a darker side and teens do see it. Whether they follow through is another thing, but they know it. Throughout high school, uh, you really can't trust a lot of people. And the girls especially say they can't trust the boys because male classmates collect nudes, share them around, and a practice this is not unique. It's happening from coast to coast, you know, from one border to the other, where high schoolers have shared these nude collections, kind of just like they would share baseball cards. And sometimes, unfortunately, the pictures are shared online without the knowledge or consent of whoever took them. And there was a 2021 study of students where 40% of male respondents and 30% of female respondents said that they had visited these pages and they actually call them slut pages. So sharing a sex, um, you know, a, a sex, sexy text without the consent of the, those pictured is considered image-based sexual abuse. And that term also includes when a classmate threatens to distribute a photo unless you have sex with them or, um, you know, do something in that, in that realm. And nudes are used sometimes as an insurance policy against breaking up or an other form of maybe sextortion. And research suggests that younger teens are the most vulnerable of that. Now, there also is a, another downside 
um, that teens are seeing. And that is the, the pressure because what a lot of girls say is that sometimes it feels like it's the girlfriend's job to do this. And that's a pressure that a lot of them of people don't want. In a 2014 study of college students, they found that about half of those in relationships had engaged in this kind of consensual but unwanted sexting. And when it comes to teens, a 2022 paper reported that 12.6% felt pressure to send, send a sext in the previous year. And according to a 2021 study of Dutch teens, there was more pressure in the LGBTQ um, youth experience, more than heterosexual counterparts, maybe because of the same reason that they um, are going to send and receive more nudes. Um, and there's a smaller dating pool. And there's a fear of harassment that tends to shift to sexual interactions online. And girls tend to receive more sex than boys. And a 2021 paper concluded uh, but that showed that boys are more likely to perpetuate a digital dating abuse, including pressuring someone to send sexual photos. Um, in earlier studies, if in um, from big cities, it was actually 12 to 18 year olds. And that 12 just sounds so young to me, but girls were very likely to report being judged for both sending or for not sending nudes. So uh, there's what options for intimacy do you have? So some people, especially those that are in college and that are in a relationship, say that sexting is a way uh, to show some intimacy and much nicer than watching porn and that there's an element of feeling empowered by sharing your body and having your body appreciated by someone. In other words, what they're saying is that they're not creating these images because they feel insecure, but they're creating these images because they actually feel more confident in their skin and they want to show it off. So, hmm, that's interesting. So adults warning against sexting often cite the online dis, uh, uh, disinhibition effect, how sexting feels more like a game in which the receiver is invisible and how that can lead to exposure a teen comes to regret. And they're usually right about that. But some are emboldened to say what works for one person is a good thing in the society and what works for somebody else, you know, is might be good for them, but not good for everybody. So um, another thing that teens have remarked is many of them would prefer or they feel more comfortable sexting than actually engaging in any physical sex acts because possibly they've had, you know, PTSD from any former abuse. And just by the sexting, they actually feel appreciated. So sexting can some stem from desire, from pressure, or from both. And those lines get blurry, but they're also essential. 
in a 2019 study of young adults, there was not a link between consensual coercion-free sexting and psychological distress. But for non-consensual sexting, including sex extracted with repeated or manipulative requests and forwarded without permission, the data demonstrated real harm. And there were some bad emotional outcomes that can rise uh, to actually a clinically significant level. And it has also been documented that there have been teen suicides, et cetera, over this. And this was in non-consensual um, sexting. So more research success uh, suggests that sexting is largely unproblematic for adults, however. And there aren't a lot of studies, though, really to prove it. Um, but it probably is less risky for adults who try it than for teens who try it. So given teen sexting prevalence, it may be better to focus on how they can do it more safely. So what would a harm reduction model look like? We have to learn to treat adolescents as capable decision makers and provide them with advice like make sure to turn off location services, uh, minimize identifying features in any explicit photos, and it's kind of, you know, it's just like teaching your kids, I guess, to look both ways before they cross the street. You have to have a comprehensive approach and know what the dangers are out there. Because once it's out on the Internet, it could be out there forever because anything you post online, anybody can see. So we do want to think before we post and be responsible for our own safety. Um, but again, you, you have to, you know, you have to use your own best judgment. So sex dead that instead sets an expectation of privacy is a better way to go. We have to shift um, the focus from um, uh, that we can create consent. So consent is really the important thing to establishing some boundaries. You don't want to send a text to someone unless you're absolutely sure they want to see it. And you don't want to make repeated requests. You don't want to forward without permission because uh, those are negatively framed edicts and uh, that be because they just, they will stand the test of time. And if teens, if you don't want something then that is a form of abuse. So we have, to, that's a difficult message to get, maybe especially for teens, but uh, it is all about consent. And to overcome restrictive sexting recommendations, we could move to messaging, like, and tell our kids if, you know, is that, that they, I just don't want to, um, to send texts. I'm not going to do it. I don't enjoy it. And so, um, maybe that's one way to do it. But sexual activity is a way to feel more independent. And it can also cause some to grow up way too fast, either actually or in another's perception. So we do have to be cautious. But again, th this should be something that is conceptual. So when it comes to sex education, talk to your kids about it, find out how what they think about it. 
and then you can take that conversation to another level. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're going to bust some nutrition myths when we come back from break. Stay with me. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program, Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business. We are back together. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And the miracle moment for today, brought to you by Be the Star You Are charity, is from Joseph Campbell. The privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. And I say, be the star you are. Now, I want to remind everyone that on Saturday, September 30th, from 11 till 3, Be the Star You Are volunteers will once again provide a really fun booth at the Pear and Wine Festival at Moraga Commons Park with activities for kids, including seed planting, reading circles, book giveaways. And it is sponsored this year by MB. Uh, Jesse Painting, as well as La Mirinda Weekly. So visit bethestarur.org and click on events, and you are going to uh, be able to see uh, what's happening. And in fact, in our next segment, Julia, who will be with us, she will be there. So in fact, we have uh, quite a few of our 
hosts and reporters from Express Yourself will be joining me at the Pear Festival. So I hope you'll join us. Well, let me get to a nutrition myth because there are so many misconceptions about eating healthy. You know, nutrition is such a hotly contested topic. And if you scroll through social media or you read your favorite blogs or you listen to podcasts, you are going to get endless information about nutrition and health. And some of it is pretty wild and some of it is pretty crazy. And some of it is just dang right wrong. So myths that were previously passed through word of mouth, they spread like wildfire because when you have the internet and you have texts and you have all kinds of social media, it makes it really difficult to tell, to, to be able to sift through all the noise and find out what is truly real and evidence-based and what is myths. So I'm going to give you uh, some myths that let's see if we can set the record straight. So the first myth um, is fresh is best. Now, I do like to have fresh. I like to get it from the garden. But whether it's strawberries, broccoli, or fresh produce, obviously that is the most natural and it appeals to most people. And it sounds healthier than frozen, right? Okay. But just because something is sold as fresh doesn't necessarily mean that it's more nutritious. While there can be some differences between fresh and frozen vegetables and fruits for selecting um, nutrients and overall the nutritional content, most of the time it is similar. Since frozen produce is flash frozen in its ripened state, it actually might have some higher levels of some nutrients and um, also some antioxidants that can be stored much longer because they're frozen. And for many people, buying frozen can be a considerable cost savings, especially when using out of season frozen items like berries or cauliflowers. So the fact is this, you definitely want to eat more of all fruits and vegetables. And if it's in season, fresh is usually best, especially if you can get it at a farmer's market. If it's out of season and you still want it, then go for frozen because the fresh is probably going to still be green or have come from long distances. And it probably won't have as many nutrients as the frozen. So I think the better question is, is what is in season? Eat what's in season. The second myth is fasting is a great way to lose weight. Well, intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, and whatever you want to call it, that kind of eating pattern, it has been promoted for a long time as a great way to drop the pounds, as opposed to just simply cutting back on calories. But the differences are a lot more minor than you would think, because what studies are showing is that intermittent calorie restriction, where like you only eat your calories during a narrow time frame each day, does not necessarily lead to better weight loss success than a diet where you eat more regularly during the day 
but make sure that your calorie intake is controlled. So overall, calories are calories are calories, no matter when you eat them. So it by fasting and then eating the same amount of calories isn't going to do anything. So that's another myth. The third myth is eating more often will boost your metabolism. How, how often have you heard that? If you eat a little bit, you know, every hour, it's going to keep your metabolism up and then you'll stay thin and all of that. Unfortunately, for grazers, there's little scientific evidence that eating smaller frequent meals will boost your metabolism in any kind of meaningful way. And there is a temporary quick an uptick in your metabolic, uh, metabolic rate when digesting and processing food. But the 24-hour difference that occurs from eating several times a day versus less often is really negligible, and it doesn't have any impact on body weight. For, so for some, spreading meals throughout the day can reduce your hunger and overeating. And if that's the case, then that's a good idea. Again, if you spread your meals throughout the day to reduce your hunger or your overeating, that's probably good. But if you are someone who has a hard time stopping, once you start eating, then three meals a day is probably a better way for you to stick to whatever it is that you are dieting. The fact, meal frequency has little to do with overall metabolism. Just pay attention to your hunger cues and eat when you're hungry. It's like eat when you're hungry, drink when you're thirsty. And just remember that foods that are highly palatable, foods with a certain hard-to-resist combination of fat, salt, sugar, and or carbohydrates is one of the three factors associated with overeating. In a study of 2,733 meals from four different dietary patterns, they were rated how energy density, which would be calories, the hyperpalatability, the protein content, and how quickly meals were eaten, how it affected how much people ate, and across all diet patterns, the hyperpalatability, energy density, and how fast food was were eaten were consistently related to meal energy intake. So part of the goal with that study is to make people aware that a majority of foods that are sold in the US are high in fat, salt, sugar, and carbs, and that makes them that hyper palatable. And you can put fast foods at fast food restaurants. Think French fries, how we all love those French fries, right? Um, that is going to make it much, much, um, much more difficult for you. Now, how do you identify a fad diet? You don't want to get caught in the trap of fad diet. So we got to learn to spot them. And so many people, they're always on the hunt for a healthier or a more balanced dietary pattern. And of course, people turn well to books or social media or the internet for all the latest information. But how can you tell if the nutritional information you're receiving is going to be helpful instead of harmful? In other words, what are the red flags that can help a person tell if they have stumbled across a healthy and nutritious regimen, or yet just another fad diet. For starters, a fad diet is normally trendy. And you know, it's better to stay away from trends. 
It makes big promises of dramatic weight loss in a very short period of time. I mean, think about, you know, all those diets out there that promise that you're going to lose five to 10 pounds in the first week. Um, that would be a fad diet. That would be very hard to lose that. And, and you're just going to gain it right back because a lot of that's just water weight. So as a general guide, fad diets are unhealthy and are not associated with long-term weight loss or management. And some of them can be damaging to your metabolism. And some of them are just really damaging to your overall health. So you have to be so careful about these. Here are a few red flags that you can uh, check out. Um, and this way, with, with these red flags, you'll know what diet plans to avoid if you want to stay clear of just getting on that uh, diet fad, you know, bandwagon. So if they're guaranteeing either rapid weight loss or anything that's rapid, what's the truth? A diet that promises weight loss of more than two pounds per week are not associated with long-term results and are actually associated with weight regain. Now, I, I hate diets, first of all. I don't go on diets because it has the word die in it. Diet, D-I-E. And I always think you're going to die. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, instead, I just want to eat healthy. So just think about that. And most people I know that have gone on these fad diets, they will lose a lot of weight. They'll look great for a short period of time. And then boom, it comes back with usually another 20 pounds. So the next one that is a definitely a red flag, if it says this is so easy. So what's the truth? If you run into a diet that promises quick and easy results without exercise, you better run the other direction. Because, you know, just like you were probably told as a kid, if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. So just remember that. That's, it seems to be the way it is all the time in life. It is, if it's too good to be true, it most likely is. And another one is, Entire food groups are off limits. What's the truth on this? This one's a scary one because this can really affect your health. If the diet calls for total avoidance of whole groups of food, the end result could be a really imbalanced dietary intake. And if an entire food group is simply missing from a diet, so are all the nutrients and compounds that are associated with that type of food. So instead of choosing a fad diet, keep an eye on the following to help support a more balanced nutritional intake. You want to read labels and portion your foods according to your individual needs. And then limit your intake of any sugar-sweetened beverages. So, and that's like soda, tea, coffee, or anything that has sweetener in it. And then just drink a lot more water every day. You know, have a whole jug of water, add some lemon juice or tangerine juice, or you could put any kind of fruit in it. And then get your body moving. Find an activity that makes you happy and joyful and try to get, you know, anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes of movement at least four times a week. Hopefully, you know, you can do it every day. 
and that is the is the better thing. But if you are trying a diet that says you're only going to have smoothies, or you're only gonna it's gonna be just a juice diet, or just a fruit diet, or it's gonna be great. I remember one when I was a young girl. It was grapefruit and eggs because evidently the grapefruit, the acid in the grapefruit. Um, would eat away the calories, and but you'd still have the protein of the egg. All of these are really, really bad. And I was just reading lately about some guru on in social media who was flouting the fact that for the last several years she has not touched any solid food. She just has like smoothies every day. Well, she just died um, at a young age, like I don't know, thirty something because um, her body was so imbalanced. So you have to be really very, very careful. Now remember that alcohol is a diuretic and that could result in a temporary weight loss due to increased urination because you're drinking alcohol. But the body also processes alcohol differently than it, other, than it does other foods and beverages showing and it slows down your digestion and that could lead to water retention. So not only are some alcoholic drinks high in sugar and calories, alcohol can impact decision-making, which can lead to less healthy food choices. It can also lead to overindulgence. And like anything, it's best to moderate your intake of alcoholic beverages or to replace them with options like sparkling water. And as I said, add a splash of fruit juice or just add some fruit uh, to your water. And I think that you're going to be um, so much better. Well, I hope that gives you a little bit of information about um, diets and fads and food. And when we come back from break, you're going to meet Julia, who is a reporter and talk show host on our show, Express Yourself Teen Radio. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'll be right back. So just stay with me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care.
It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business. Well, it is party time right now, and I am so excited that you stayed with me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network because my guest is just this fabulous team who is um, a teen host and reporter of Passion in Action on our sister show, Express Yourself Teen Radio. Her name is Julia Howell, and she is a sophomore in San Francisco. She is a passionate entrepreneur, (laughs) and she is um, a participant in Whatever It Takes Teen program. She also has a podcast that she's doing on her own, which she can tell us about. And she sings in the five-time Grammy Award um, winning San Francisco Girls Chorus. It's so exciting. She's also training for her latest 10K, and she loves exploring nature. Welcome, Julia, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you because uh, Julia is one of our new uh, newest reporters and hosts on Express Yourself. And as you can see, she just is filled with enthusiasm and excitement. And your segments are just so great. So uh, today, I know you're going to talk to us about life lessons and how teens can be more successful in school. So I'm going to let you take it away. And then at the end of this, Julia... I would love you to tell us about the podcast that you're doing and also about your singing, because these are all very exciting things for our listeners to learn about. So first of all, tell us about how do you think that students can be more successful? Well, I have a lot of experience seeing as I just turned 15 years old, not that long ago. So I'm an August 22nd baby. And I have to say those 15 years were not smooth sailing at all. In fact, they were more desperately trying to paddle a raft in the middle of a hurricane. Some of my most formative years were during the pandemic, Um, my first year of middle school, my first phone, not to mention when I first tried to cut my own bangs. It was not a success, needless to say. It was like I stepped into the void as a sixth grader and emerged almost ready to head off to high school. (laughs) So I really wanted to give you guys some of my many pieces of wise advice, and I'm going to be your trusty guide. And I want to hear it. (laughs) Take it away. Yeah, let's do it. So number one, all you have to do is nod. I've been told by many of my friends that my nodding skills are kind of borderline creepy, but teachers do notice who's slumped over their desk or staring out the window or subtly trying to scroll on TikTok during math class. By just making eye contact and nodding, my teachers have an immediate good impression of me, even if behind all that nodding, I could be on the other side of the world. On the subject of classrooms, don't sit in the back, but don't sit in the front either. Be in a chair where the teacher can see you, but you aren't right up their nose. Anyways, you'll be thankful when you don't have to crane your neck up to see the board. Number two, don't cry at school unless you're in one of three places. Number one, the school counselor's office, at some sort of sentimental school ceremony that there seems to be tons of, or when acting in the school musical. Teachers aren't impressed when you bust out tears over a bad grade. No, you don't seem like the heroine of a Netflix show. It's just embarrassing and awkward. And not even teachers are into the embarrassing and awkward. If you do feel the tears welling up, 
immediately say you have to sneeze and turn your head away. This ingenious maneuver will have you stay clear of the notorious label of crybaby. And I say this as if I didn't just start sobbing while watching the Barbie movie. Number three, if you use the girls' bathroom, always go with a group number roughly the population of Australia. If you use the boys' restroom, mm, you're out of luck. It's a war zone in there. <laughs> number four, I, I know I've choked around for the past few, but I'm going to be serious. Trying to read your own handwriting during finals is like trying to decipher ancient code. Keep your notes legible, unless you're secretly training to be a hieroglyphics expert. Number five, coffee. The magical potion that turns I can't into I can't even. Use it sparingly, or you'll be sprinting through life at the speed of caffeine. Number six, I'm about to change you into an A-plus student. Meet mnemonics. In math, we have our PEMDAS, parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction, our order of operations. So Katawa, which is sine, cosine, tangent, which is our trigonometry ratios. King Henry died by drinking chocolate milk, kilohecto, deca, base, deci, centi, milli, our metric system prefixes. In science, we got our beautiful rainbow, Roy G. Biv, my very educated mother just served us noodles, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, the order of our planets in the solar system. There's also, of course, never lower till mom eats peanut butter, the diatomic elements. In language arts, we have our fanboys for and nor but or yet so, the coordinating conjunctions. We also got vowels in your other ugly language, verb, interjection, you, other, adverb, pronoun, noun, are parts of the speech. And there you go. I just saved you. Number six. The classic maneuver when you're caught in a conversation about a subject you know nothing about. Master the art of the nod and smile while uttering vague agreements like, oh, definitely, that's so true, or I totally see what you mean. This technique can save you from looking like a deer caught in headlights during these moments when you have no idea what your classmates are talking about. Just remember, you're not alone in this interpretive dance of survival. Everyone is doing it. Number eight, the Google Translate hack. Foreign language classes can sometimes make you feel like you're attempting to decode extraterrestrial messages. But fear not, Google Translate is here to help. But use it wisely. Translate sentences back and forth a few times until they become completely legible. If the teacher asks why your answer to the question is, the green kangaroo hops enthusiastically to the moon, just say it's an advanced level of language mastery. Who's to question your progress? Number nine, don't trust any advice you get from a high school sophomore. Really? What do I know? You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, now do you see everyone why you're why Julia is so great? These were just terrific. They're just such terrific ideas. Now, but tell me what is all these, you know, you have the coordinating conjunctions, the essay writing strategy. So where did you learn all these? So my teacher actually provides us with lists of these mnemonics, which is so great. But also, there's a couple you got to learn from your friends. I mean, also, if you're trying to memorize something and it's not one of like the classic Roy G. Briv kind of stuff, just make up your own and make it something super weird and like kind of awkward that will stick in your head because it can help you out a ton during those tests. Well, it's kind of like, you know, did Columbus discover the ocean blue in 1492? Or Exactly. But, but you could make a mistake and say, 
Christopher Columbus sailed the sea in 1493. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's true. Right. You got to be careful. You have to be careful. Yes. When I was in school, Julia, we had to learn all our um, our prepositions and conjunctions, and you know, it'd be up here about become. Uh, and we'd have to just go down the list. It was crazy. And you had to memorize them. But I found these just really, really funny and and great, especially the King Henry died by drinking chocolate milk. I, I really like I really like that one. That's one yeah. of my own personal inventions. So I'm Is especially it? proud of that one. <laughs> Did you really? Hey, I guess I had never heard of that one. So very, very good. So now the whole world knows it. So again, it is King Henry died by drinking chocolate milk. You know, it's kilo, hecto, deca, base, dc, centi, milli, right? Exactly. <laughs> Good job. Good job. All right. Well, now I want to talk just a little bit about you because you to me are such a, a, a star-studded teen and you have so much potential and so much to offer. But why don't you first start telling us about the San Francisco Girls Chorus and how you got involved and what you've been doing with it because you love music. Yeah. So when I was, I think I was just four or five years old, all my friends were like, you have to try chorus. It's so much fun. We play music games. And so I kind of tagged along with them. We have a thing called prep chorus, which is basically kind of like daycare, but you also sing and learn music. I tried it and I absolutely loved it. Something about singing music with other girls your age really like forms these bonds that you can't make anywhere else. You get to like literally make music together and i just continued it so i was just four years old now i'm 15 as i just said and you move up through the different levels so you start in prep chorus you go to level one level two level three level four and you have to meet these different kind of musical goals before you can move on to the next level and during each level you get opportunities to sing with a chorus and perform but also to learn how to be a soloist and make your own voice heard um, both in theory class when you're raising your hand to answer a question, or maybe you're taking on a solo in one of the songs. And then once you get to level four, this is when you essentially graduate from the chorus school and you can audition for the professional ensemble, which I'm currently in, called the Premier Ensemble. But we always like to call it Carissima as like a fun little nickname. Whoa. Well, then tell us more about that. So you're in the professional uh, division now. So do you travel and perform and how does it work? Yeah, I'm relatively new. So I just auditioned just a couple months ago. Um, we went to Carmel, which is kind of nearby, but an especially fun place we're traveling is South Africa next summer. Oh my, is that where you're going? You're going to go to South Africa? We're going to go to South Africa. Oh, I know. I'm whoa, so excited. That is so exciting. And so do you have to get donations and all of that? Is it funded by, who is, how is it funded so that you can sing? Yeah. Well, the chorus has been around for a while. So we've been around for around a little more than 40 years. And we kind of are a staple of San Francisco. So we get a lot of funding from like, I mean, our like district supervisors and stuff like that. Like our the government literally donates us and supports us. Got but we it. also have like parents paying tuition for like the younger levels. Mm -hmm. And eventually we start getting paid. Like we get professional contracts and it's so awesome. So because you're in the professional, now you'll have a professional contract. Yeah. And we have to sign stuff saying we were recently in actually a recording of a new album that's coming out soon by this artist named Oris. 
And so we had to sign like a release saying that we'd let our voices be on that. And we do start to, we get some opportunities that will actually like pay us, which is awesome. And then will you, will you, are you allowed to get an agent, like a talent agent? Um, will you be joining unions or any of that? Or is that down the line? Yeah. Well, what's so great about the chorus is as you're transitioning, maybe if you want to major in music in college or just want to go off and become some sort of musician, they support you like every step of the way. <gasps> so they have, so great. I know they have their own agents. They coach you. They give you like letters of recommendation. Um, they do all sorts of things Everything. to kind of prepare you for becoming a professional musician because a lot of girls decide to take that step after mm -hmm. the chorus. And how about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I love music, but I don't know. I think I have to wait till I'm at that age where I'm thinking about leaving for college to decide whether how music is going to play a role in my life. But no matter what, I'm still going to do choral music. Like, and this is, you're, yeah. you're definitely a great communicator. So you're going to need to do radio or television as well. And we only have a couple minutes left, but just why don't you tell our audience about the podcast that you um, and some friends have created so that we can promote that for you. Totally. So we're called Hitting the Wall Podcast, and we're focusing on providing mental and physical health resources to teen girl athletes. On my, I'm on part of my school's cross-country team. As you mentioned, I run like 10Ks, 5Ks, and all sorts of long-distance events. And what I noticed is a lot of these girls were doing things like having eating disorders, or they were losing their period. And that's really problematic, and they weren't getting the help they needed. Or they wouldn't even understand why it was an issue that they were losing their period or losing a bunch of weight. Like, that's not healthy. We're high school right. athletes. Our bodies need to develop. So I started this to give people ways to see themselves reflected in. On my podcast, we bring on these various women who've used their sport to inspire themselves. Maybe they're like an Olympic athlete, but maybe they started a fitness brand. Or maybe they're a mother who like taught her kids how to run marathons as well. Give so, us, we only have a minute left, uh, Julia. So give us the website where people can find you. Yeah. So we're on Instagram at at hitting the wall podcast, no spaces, all lowercase. That's at hitting the wall podcast. Well, thank you so much for coming on Star Style and sharing the success stories for teens. Because I have to say, I am going to take the the advice of a fifteen year old. You are so awesome. Thank you, Julia. And make sure that everyone you're tuned in to Express Yourself Teen Radio, where Julia is a host and co-host from very often. And that's right here on, on uh, Voice America. So I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you've been listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are charity, visit bethestaryouare.org. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit cynthiabryan.com. My aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate every moment of your life. And until next week, when we play again here in the Star Style Playground, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you've been listening to Julia Howe as well on Star Style. Thank you, and be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Until next week, ciao for now. Be the star you Oh
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.